Welcome to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week on Building the Bakken, the most trusted energy brand in the Bakken today. As I mentioned a moment ago, Building the Bakken is part of the Crude Life Media Network, and we are not a political program, rather an informational brand. No polarizing talk, just conversations about facts of the energy industry. Here at the Crude Life Media Network, we generate positive energy. And we'd like to thank you folks for choosing us. We know there's a lot of places out there where you can get your content. And I appreciate you tuning us in and being a part of our crude life, building the Bakken. All right, here's what we have lined up for you today. Our weekly Davis Refinery update. I'm very excited about this weekly Davis Refinery update. We're inching closer to it becoming a reality. And I truly believe that we will be reading about the Davis Refinery out in Belfield, North Dakota in history books in the near future. All right, then we talk with Tracy Bentley, Executive Director with the Colorado Petroleum Council. Oh, by the way, we talk with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. They're spearheading the Davis Refinery. Forgot to mention that when I was gushing about the Davis Refinery out in Belfield. All right, Tracy Bentley, Executive Director, Colorado Petroleum Council. They've got a very peculiar proposition happening in Colorado. It's called Proposition 112. It's an initiative that would make oil and gas development pretty much obsolete in Colorado, according to the industry. It's going to move the setback from 500 feet to 2,500 feet, uh, taking out a huge chunk of available oil and gas uh, potential land in Colorado. So it's going to have economic impact, job losses. It's it's a very scary proposition that some believe it's possibly being templated so it could affect the Bakken as well as other shale plays across the United States. So Tracy Bentley a little later in the program, and I really invite you folks to listen to that interview. It's very important to the oil and gas industry what's going on in Colorado right now. And then Jeff Simon, Executive Director with the Western Dakota Energy Association, he gives a rundown of their annual meeting coming up next week in Newtown, North Dakota, the Western Dakota Energy Association's annual meeting. That's a great time. I've gone to quite a few in the past, and I invite you folks to uh, head out to Newtown if you have a chance. But Jeff Simon, a little later in the program, is going to give a preview of what's happening in that annual meeting. All that plus much more this week on Building the Bakken Radio. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm smoking, I'm joking with the people that I know. And I'm thinking, I'm drinking, I'm spinning, I'm grinning. Hope my car starts when I go. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thoughts on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. 
Up next, William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group on the Davis Refinery. Um, an enormous amount of effort went into the engineering that backs up everything that we've said during that process. Uh, the health department spent a tremendous amount of, of money and man hours investigating everything that we decided that we could achieve to make sure that it was validated. And then on top of that, you know, we have a lot of legal man hours uh, to ensure that everything was done correctly, not only just in compliance with the regulations themselves, but uh, the entire process was had to be done perfectly. Uh, little things like the fact that we went out for public comments, of course, under the Health Department Rules and Regulations. We received almost 11,000 comments during that public comment period. Every single one of them had to be evaluated and responded to. Uh, that was enormously expensive. So again, you know, just knowing that you're going to be in that glare of, of litigation makes you have to spend that kind of money and, and put forth that kind of effort. But then at the end of the day, Jason, you know, having done that, you sit back and it's kind of, okay, bring it on time, and you know you're going to see it. Uh, you just you, you get to the point where you can't wait for it to happen because you want to show what a good job you did. I still think you guys have the patience of Job, I mean, in, in order to kind of wait some of these things out. You know, you mentioned the air quality permit, and one of the first things that comes to my mind is, I thought this was settled, you know, 12, 14, 18 months ago when you guys were awarded this permit. And the reason I say that is the air quality permit, even I'll even go as far as to say the water permit. Doesn't this a lot, a lot of this have to do with just science and the fact that, you know, when you guys implement it, the science and the theories are going to hold. Um, I know there's there's certain emotional strings that can be pulled at times, but it just seemed like, it, to me, it seems like like the air quality and, like I said, even the, the water really comes down to a lot of science. Am I out of line for, for thinking like that? Well, there, there are two general areas of permitting. There's the, uh, the environmental-type permits, like the air quality permit and the water permit. Then there are the use permits, the siting kinds of things, like the Public Service Commission uh, would have uh, imposed upon us. Uh, you know, the whole siting thing was settled back in July of, uh, of 2016 when Billings County gave us our conditional use permit. And that, again, is an entirely different set of concerns where the county simply takes a look at everything we're, we're going to do. And we provided them with a, a California-style environmental impact statement showing every aspect of the project and what it was going to do to and for the surrounding area. And they have, a, they have the right to decide whether or not they want a refinery in Billings County. And so we went through that with the county and, and got the, the conditional use permit. So it was not until after that was done that we even filed for our air quality permits. Because you have to know where the project's going to be to get that permit done. So we did that in October of 2016. And it took us 20 months to go through that process. That That's an example of an environmental uh, type of permit where there are certain emissions uh, limitations that you have to come in under. And that's pure science. That's pure engineering. 
but it gets very, very granular. I mean, you, we have to show them every single type of equipment we're going to use. Every single uh, piece of equipment has to be sized to the extent you can, short of detailed design. And yeah, that's that's a pure engineering permit. And the Department of Health takes a look at every single piece of that and make us provide backup for everything that, they, that we say we're going to do. To listen to the full-length interview with William Prentice, the CEO of the Meridian Energy Group and the Davis Refinery, listen to the crudelife.com. Rather, log on to the crudelife.com. Rather, visit the crudelife.com. You know what? Do all of them. Log on and listen. Tune in and listen. And head, head over to the website and check out all of our social media links and our past interviews, everything else. All right. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio Heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. You're my pineapple, baby, let me be your mango man. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Tracy Bentley, the Executive Director with the Colorado Petroleum Council. Tracy Bentley, Executive Director of the Colorado Petroleum Council. And thank you for joining us today here at the Crude Life Media Network. Appreciate your time. And, you know, we were talking a little bit off the air that, um, you know, my radio audience is a, is a Wyoming, a Montana, a... North Dakota, South Dakota, and a Minnesota audience, but our social media is 350,000. So we have a nice uh, foothold, if you will, within the industry. So that, that's where that's the reason why we wanted to reach out to Colorado because, and we'll get to that after a bit, but uh, they've got something going on there that's really interesting that I truly believe the industry needs to hear about, that this is well beyond a Colorado issue. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But first, let's just kind of set the table, if you will, Tracy. What's going on out there with, I believe it's called Proposition 112? That's exactly right. So Proposition 112 is on the Colorado ballot this year. Voters, voters, excuse me, voters will vote it up or down on November 6th. And Proposition 112 increases statewide setbacks from oil and gas facilities to 2,500 feet. To give you an idea, right now they're about five, they're, they are 500. This measure would increase it to 2,500 feet. It would also allow local governments to go beyond 2,500 feet if they wanted to. Explain that last uh, part, to go beyond 2,500. Sure. So there's a provision in the measure that says um, 2,500 would become the new baseline 
setback, the minimum requirement, if you will. But if I'm city X and I decide I want it to be further because that's not enough, I want it, we want it to be 5,000 feet, this proposition gives them the authority to do that. Okay, and uh, where, where is industry in this? When I say industry, of course, I'm talking about the oil and gas industry. Um, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but just what, what are you hearing from people within the industry and, and what's their general feeling on this? Sure. Well, as you can imagine, we are adamantly opposed um, and we're putting on a campaign um, to hopefully try and stop this. But industry in general, um, we have about 230,000 oil and gas employees in the state of Colorado. And I can tell you there's a lot of fear out there because... Should Proposition 112 pass, it will effectively serve as a ban on new oil and gas development. So we have a lot of folks out there. I mean, we're over 6% of Colorado's economy. And when you put an entire industry in jeopardy like this, and I'm going to talk, and actually it's not just our industry in jeopardy, but we certainly have a lot of our oil and gas workforce who are afraid if this passes, what are they going to do? You know, where where are they going to go for work? How are they going to afford to live? So it's a very troubling time. Um, in Colorado. But I want to hit on something that I just alluded to. I think the proponents, the activists that keep it in the ground folks, who are the the folks running this, thought that they were just really going to take it to the oil and gas industry with Proposition 112. But in actuality, what happens is if it passes, the very first year alone, we would would lose 43,000 jobs. And by year 12, we'd lose about 150,000 jobs. The interesting thing about this is, of those jobs lost, 77% of the jobs are not going to come from oil and gas. We're looking at retail, um, hotel and lodging, construction, healthcare, teachers. Um, so so these are, this is just not about oil and gas by any stretch of the imagination. This is about Colorado's entire economy. Well, you bring up a really good point, and, and I, I want to get back to those job numbers in just a moment, but... Um, we, we, we have this uh, up in the, the Bakken, up in the Dakotas, if you will, where uh, coal, they, they always talk about, you know, shutting down the coal plants and doing all this other stuff. You know, like 90% of electricity up, up in the Dakotas comes from coal. And I keep thinking, like, why are these people not fleshing through or thinking through this? It's just, it's such knee-jerk extremism reactions to where, you know, like you mentioned, that 77% of these job loss are going to come from non-oil and gas jobs. That is so true. That is so true. I mean, if you go and take a look at so many different studies, when when they talk about jobs being created in a community, very few of them are, are actually oil and gas ones. They're just the ones that are the engine behind so many other jobs in the supporting service or the ancillary market, if you will. Uh, I do. I want to ask you about this Pricewater Coopers American Petroleum Institute study where it says that uh, 292,900 jobs, 78,300 directly, and nearly $31.4 billion in economic impact for Colorado. So when we're talking about several hundred thousand jobs, I would imagine this is, of course, over several years, and almost 80,000 of them directly oil and gas. Um, but we're talking $31.5 billion economic impact for Colorado. What, th- there's, when you say that there's a fear and that people are very much afraid, that's not an exaggeration, is it? This, isn't, this is literal definition words coming out of the dictionary. You are exactly right. 
And yes, there's huge fear that some out-of-state interest groups um, allowed or decided to put something as reckless as this on the ballot. I mean, we have local governments across our state saying if 112 passes, that is our revenue that we use to build roads, that we use to build schools, that we use to fund our first responders. We have, uh, in the very rural parts of Colorado, we have school districts who the oil and gas tax revenue is over 95% of their total income for their schools. They'll have to shut down. We've talked to numerous of volunteer fire departments who said, without you guys here, we can't afford to operate, so we will have to shut down. So the devastating impacts that are going to ripple across our state almost immediately are going to be absolutely devastating. And there's no other industry inside this state or out that's going to step in and contribute right off the bat $32 billion to Colorado's economy. Has there been numbers of what percentage of land will be uh, out of access for oil and gas? Is it 50%, 60%, something like that? Yep. So 85% of our non-federal surface acreage in Colorado will be taken off the table for oil and gas development. 94% of this non-federal area, uh, service area in, in our state's top five producing uh, oil and gas counties will be unavailable. So statewide, 85%. But when you look at our top producing counties, of which I live in Well County, which is number one, 94% of surface land is off the table for Well County. So that's why when we say it's a ban, that it certainly serves it. When 85% of, of land is off the table and you can't produce, that's effectively a ban. That, that would, um, what would that do to your county? If 90, not, I mean, if you're talking about that much of a percentage is oil and gas revenue, um, what, what would that do to your county? Um, it will it will it will destroy our county's economy. Um, well over fifty five percent of Well County's economy comes from oil and gas. Uh, we produce eighty percent of our state's uh, oil and natural gas right out of Well County. So, uh, Well County will certainly take the biggest hit. Although again, this is going to be a statewide devastation, but Well County will absolutely uh, feel it the most. Oh, I'm I'm thinking of like um, I think it's Fallon County in Montana where. That's where the off-ramp for the Keystone Pipeline is. And, of course, you have Billings County in North Dakota where, um, you know, it's kind of those hotbeds, if you will, of, of good drilling, you know, land. And well, I'm, I'm just thinking of how that would – I don't know if a, how a business could make it in there well, if they did exactly – right. Yeah, from, and, a, and ca from a cafe to a – from a gas station. That's exactly right. So much of the small business business in Weld County is – almost completely dependent on the oil and gas industry workers coming in and dining every day, um, you know, using the facilities. And so you take those workers out and we're going to see small Main Street shops, you know, family-owned businesses dry up and go away. Another thing I'd like to tell people is... Tracy Bentley, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a second. We are talking with Tracy Bentley, Executive Director with the Colorado Petroleum Council, about Proposition 112. We're going to continue the interview in just a moment. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network.
The music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Well, I was two years old when John Lennon died. Well, I was 23 when George said goodbye. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. We continue our interview with Tracy Bentley, Executive Director with the Colorado Petroleum Council, as she explains a little bit further about Proposition 112 and some of the impacts it would have in the state of Colorado and the region. That's exactly right. So much of the small business business in Weld County is almost completely dependent on the oil and gas industry workers coming in and dining every day, um, you know, using the facilities. And so you take those workers out and we're going to see small Main Street shops, you know, family-owned businesses dry up and go away. Another thing I'd like to tell people is in, in the state of Colorado, agriculture and oil and gas go hand in hand. So many of our ag producers are also mineral owners and they heavily rely on those mineral payments in years where they have a bad crop or Mother Nature comes in and destroys their corn or their wheat, it's, it's their oil and gas revenue that saves them. So agriculture is going to feel this too. So I, I'm thinking of like uh, uh, Whiting Petroleum, I think Devon Energy is, is there. Um, you know, you've got some pretty big oil and gas companies based in Denver. Um, what, what, what are they saying? Are, 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 is anybody talking about if this thing goes through, we're, we're going to have to relocate to Oklahoma City or, or somewhere? Because, you know, a lot of those guys are based in Denver because there's a great international airport there. But they, they at least have some, you know, Colorado drilling activity they can rely on or they have and some mineral rights and that sort of thing. Is anybody talking to that extreme quite yet? Absolutely. Huh. 
If Colorado passes 112 and they effectively ban new development from here on out, um, there is no reason for companies, um, you know, just to, to stick around and in, in Colorado, they would, some would stay to finish up their the current development that they have in the, the projects that they have in the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they they would go to a more friendly state, right? Who appreciates the industry and, and what they bring to the table and all the jobs and the economics. And one thing that I like to tell folks in Colorado is, listen, we're we're being categorized as a purple state. I mean, you know, at any, at any given time, a Democrat Republican majority in any house or this or that could could happen, which is which is fine. But what what's not fine is to have a regulatory environment that, with one election, could completely be upheaved and completely redone. No business, not just oil and gas, can operate in such uncertainty when it comes to the regulatory environment. And so, you know, this election not only won twelve, um, but but who who sits in our governor's um, office and who controls the Senate? If we last year uh, the oil and gas industry had to fight, you know, two dozen bills, anti-oil and gas bills, in one way or fashion, trying trying to either ding us or completely take us out of business. And if those bills were to ever pass, it would have a similar uh, effect that 112 does. So the uncertainty right now in Colorado is not good for business. What what are some of the intellectuals saying, you know, some of the college professors? And, you know, normally they, they, of course, uh, the the intellectual liberals, if you will, would, would kind of go more towards, you know, my guess would be supporting Proposition 112. But to me... Proposition 112 is one of those one of those measures that if you actually take a moment and look at it like an intellectual is supposed to, you don't just surface it, you actually dig into it, you can see how devastating it, it is to beyond oil and gas. I mean, you're talking about health care, you're talking about emergency services, you're talking about um, uh, students, you're talking about um, just all kinds of social services that, quite frankly, are supported by the oil and gas industry in a one, two, three step process. Are any of the intellectuals, you know, economists or any of the universities coming out and saying, hey, this is a bad idea, folks? No, the good news is yes. Uh, we've had several community colleges, the University of Northern Colorado, who's located in Royal County, said, oh, my gosh, this would devastate us. Please, guys, don't know on 112. We've had hospitals come out and say, you know, 112 passes, we're not, we're going to close our hospital. So the answer is yes. And, and something that you said earlier um, about some of the folks on the left. So Proposition 112 is the only ballot measure on the ballot that, that both Democrats and Republicans say, vote, no, this is awful. So we have every top Democrat, both at the federal level and at the state level in Colorado, encouraging everybody to vote no. And certainly we have the, the top Republicans. So this is the one thing on the ballot I think that they all agree on. Which brings me to my next question, which is the actual um, meat and potatoes reason for for my reaching out to you um, with this with this Colorado issue. Um, like I said, you know, my radio audience is is a five state. We got Montana, we've got Wyoming, the Dakotas, and Minnesota. Now we've got the social media audience, but you know, just from a radio standpoint, this will air on those those radio shows so that those five states will hear this. And the reason is, is that I've been following this now since Jack um, over at Summit Engineering kind of alerted me to this issue about a month and a half ago, something along those lines. And this seems very template to me. This seems like it's an, it is a group that may or may not be out of state. 
um, but it, but it's definitely centralized. It's centralized through uh, their donations and their their state franchises, if you will. It just seems it just kind of smacks of that. And when you've been covering government affairs for 20, 25 years, you can pick up on this stuff, okay? And to me, Proposition 112 seems like it is a template to be used in other states. Is anybody talking like that in, in Colorado? Absolutely, and you nailed it on the head. This is not a Colorado idea. It's not organic. Some, you know, people didn't sit around and say, you know, in Colorado, we should do this. Make no mistake. This is absolutely a national template that if they are able to successfully pass here, get ready, oil and gas states, because it's coming to you. And they're going to start right here in this Rocky Mountain region. We're just convinced of it. This this is being driven, this, this idea came from and is being funded and driven by Food and Water Watch and 350.org. Those are two very strong, keep it in the ground, Washington, D.C.-based activist groups who recruited some folks in Colorado to take up their cause and put their name on it. The other biggest funder is, um, is a pocket full of anti-oil and gas folks in Boulder. But this is not Colorado, and, I want, and it's important that people understand that. But to your to your point, it's very very important people understand this is not necessarily a Colorado problem. Their hope is to find the strategy on how to pass it here and take it to other political states and heavy oil and gas states that kind of have that kind of look and feel like Colorado, and pour a bunch of money into what would then become the template. So I tell anybody who will listen, keep your eye on what happens in Colorado and, and the strategies that they use because they're not done yet. Now I would guess that the biggest um i guess marketing positive for the opponents or for, or for the people behind this is using the religion of environmentalism and i do call it a religion of environmentalism because that's the way it's 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 almost turned into that is that kind of is is that their message that they're trying to basically do is just kind of use that fear of of uh environmentalism oh that that and they they like to say that our that our industry isn't safe. And then we say, well, give us a credible study that shows that we're harming the environment or that we're not safe. Well, then they produce all of these very politically driven studies by activists that they've paid. And we say, no, no, we said credible. Um, in our state, it, it got so ridiculous that the state of Colorado said, okay, you know what? We're going to conduct our own um study and see, you know, if there's any truth to this. So our, our Department of Health here in Colorado sampled 10,000 air quality samples because they were calling in the question, um, you know, is it safe? Is the air safe? 10,000. I've never heard of a study that had the, the 10,000 samples, but they did across the state in heavy producing oil and gas areas. And what they came back after that and said is there is no health risk associated to folks who live in and around these areas, including the workers. So, you know, when, when the state the Department of Health comes out and says that, that's about as good as it gets. Yet, they continue to say, we don't care what the state says, we believe that, it, that it's not healthy. And the fact is, there's nothing, there is no evidence to prove that. Um, when it comes to the environment, um, Colorado has some of the most stringent regulations of anywhere in the country. If we don't capture 98% of emissions at the wellhead, for example, is one of our rules, our companies face major fines. And if they get a couple of those fines, um, they'll, they'll be ordered to stop producing. So Colorado does not mess around when it comes to environmental organizations. So that, again, does not, does not hold up water. 
To listen to the full-length interview with Tracy Bentley, Executive Director with the Colorado Petroleum Council, or listen to other Building the Bakken features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Building the Bakken Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. Just click on the social media tab, and we've got a whole list of our network right there. Be part of our 350,000 followers and energy enthusiasts. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. We all do what we do so we can survive. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Welcome back to Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Jeff Simon, Executive Director with the Western Dakota Energy Association. Those communities took on a lot of debt before the funding was really there to address those needs, so they've got to service that debt. They need uh, they need the income to maintain that quality of life. The bill itself is really kind of a it's kind of a package deal. Um, you know, uh, it contains uh, you know a, a revision to the gross production tax distribution formula. I don't need to get into that. It's pretty complicated with a lot of the you know the buckets and that sort of thing. But you know the the big part of the the, the compromise, the package, is the is this uh, uh, infrastructure, two infrastructure buckets actually for the non-oil counties, and that will include uh, actually some of the communities in the, in the western North Dakota as well. Those uh, that are are outside the top nine oil producing counties, but uh, you know all these communities have said, hey, we've got needs too, and um, so that's going to be part of this package. There'll be a hundred and fifty million dollar bucket that will be. Uh, distributed among cities in North Dakota, and another $115 million bucket that will be distributed among counties and townships. Uh, so, uh, And uh, legislative leaders have said they want to get that out early in the legislative session before uh, before crossover. And uh, that would that would be a wonderful thing. I think it's, uh, there's just a, a lot of support for the, for the deal that came together. I remember back in, I think it was 2014 or 2015, the... Um uh, Western Dakota Energy Association. Uh, back then, it had a different name, but the annual meeting in Dickinson, and I'll never forget. Uh, then, 
Mayor uh, Dennis Johnson, he got up in front of everybody and he said, Dickinson was debt free last year. Now we got a hundred million dollars in debt. I mean, he was just, he was completely blown away how quickly the debt came on when, you know, the, the energy industry came. And so I don't think a lot of people understand that, you know, there's, there was a significant amount of debt with a lot of cities that really never dealt with the debt because they balanced their books pretty well up until then. And, um, so this was, like you say, necessity. Is that's what I'm getting at? Is it's kind of a long way to say it was a necessity for a lot of these people. I mean, I remember when Dickinson couldn't put another house there because they they just ran out of sewage space or water space. They had to get a new treatment plant done, and and that's the way a lot of these communities were. Is they just you know in order to have more population, you got to provide them water and sewer and streets and police and everything else. So. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, sponsors and, and um, you know, kind of who's who's involved with this year, um, you know, kind of helping you guys uh, uh, get this thing going. So who's sponsoring the uh, annual meeting this year? Well, the, uh, the unique thing about our sponsorship is uh, it's kind of a win-win because uh, the revenue from that, that is generated by sponsor dollars actually we put into a scholarship fund and um, – we are uh, offering five $1,000 scholarships this year, you know, based upon the sponsor revenue. Um, the uh, the sponsors we have to this point, uh, Dawa Solutions, which uh, does our web service out of Williston. Jeff Zarling and his folks are, are going to be there. Uh, Vision West, Deb Nelson, and all the good work that they do with Vision West North Dakota is going to be there. Um, Jeff Kummer and Mineral Tracker folks are going to, to have a booth as well. Mineral Tracker, I don't know if you know, is, uh, is kind of a, a way for folks to keep track of, uh, of the royalty payments and the deductions and that sort of thing. And they're offering that service to local governments as well. So uh, Jeff Kummer is actually going to make a, a little bit of a presentation during our opening evening social. The Williston Basin uh, or the Williston chapter of, uh, of API is, uh, is among the sponsors. 82S Nexus, they've done a lot of the financial research for us. They're, uh, they're among the sponsors as well. Uh, One Oak is going to be uh, represented. Uh, we'll also have Bros Engineering and the Upper Great Plains Transportation Institute, the folks that uh, kind of help us uh, identify road needs out there. So pretty, pretty good, uh, diverse group of folks that you'll be able to talk to among the exhibitors at the event. Yeah, and uh, and once again, the details for the, the, the date and the times and the location and everything? The, uh, the event is November 7th and 8th. We open at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, November 7th. Um, we'll have a social that evening, but it's uh, it's going to be at Four Bears uh, Resort and Casino, which is uh, just west of Newstown. You uh, you cross the, the Four Bears Bridge, and uh, there you go, there's the Four Bear Event Center. And it's a day and a half, so there's there's a opportunity for people to spend the night and do some networking after hours too, huh? Absolutely, yeah. We do have discounted uh, rates at uh, at Four Bears just. Uh, Tell them you're uh, attending the uh, Western North Dakota Energy Conference, and you'll get a discounted rate booking a room there for the evening of November seventh. Yeah, and I'm not downplaying the you know the annual meeting, but sometimes you can you sometimes you bet. Yeah, it's been known to happen. You're right. So, uh, Mr. Jeff Simon, anything that we forgot? Anything you want to reiterate? Uh, anything like that? I'll kind of give you the final word and, and thoughts here as we kind of conclude. Go ahead. Yes, one quick thing. We're going to open the day on Thursday with an, with a recap of the election. These dates fall right after the November 6th election. So Shane Gettle with uh, ODNI is going to provide us an overview. Shane's a, a national committee man and 
very astute about politics. He's going to tell us what what all happened on November 6th and what it means going forward. Uh, Shane Gettle, former Commerce Commissioner, correct? That's the man. You're well, right. Yeah, well, his, his background, he'll be able to know how to integrate that in with the uh, state and with the private and everything like that. So that'll be a good presentation. Yeah, looking forward to his analysis. All right. Well, that's all I got today, sir. Thank you much. All right. Thanks, Jason. You bet. Thanks a lot. To listen to the full-length interview with Jeff Simon, Executive Director with the Western Dakota Energy Association, or to listen to other Building the Bakken features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Building the Bakken Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab, check out our network, like, follow, share, do all that stuff, and be a part of our social media audience. 350,000 energy enthusiasts. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. And that concludes another awesome episode of Building the Bakken Radio, and I would like to personally thank each and every one of you who listened and tuned in our program this week. There are so many options out there for content and entertainment today, and we are so grateful that you have chosen Building the Bakken Radio and the Crude Life Media Network for your option today. Again, thank you once again for listening to our program, our non-political, non-polarizing program known as Building the Bakken Radio. Now, was there an interview that you wanted to check out? Well, you can access past shows, features, and full-length interviews at thecrudelife.com. We would also like to invite you to be a part of our social media network. Join our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts. We have quite a presence in many of the shale plays, like the Permian, Eagleford, Marcellus, Niobrera, and many, many more. It's all part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out. If you go to crudelife.com, click on our social media tabs, we've got a list of our social media sites, over 350,000 followers. We're strong. We're growing every day when we invite you to be a part of our social media network here at the Crude Life Media Network. Now, when you're at the crudelife.com, be sure to click on our sponsors page. These sponsors make this program happen. Now, we've got some outstanding sponsors here at the Crude Life Media Network, and we ask you to please support them when you can. You know what? Heck, just reach out and say hello sometime. That's nothing like a nice hello. Click on the sponsors page. Check them out, crudelife.com. Thank you once again for listening to Building the Bakken Radio this week. We will be back next week right here on this radio station at this time once again. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Building the Bakken Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Thank you once again for joining us this week, and remember, keep calm and frack on. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. 
Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com.